by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Hey there, soccer fans. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, and I am your host, John. With me today, as always, is my trusty sidekick, the Nate Morales. Nate, it feels kind of nice to have something else to talk about uh, with the election stuff going on for the, the leader of the free world. Uh, which seems like oh, it's going to last for a bit cool? here. But uh, how you doing, man? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I oh, oh, yeah. Election. Elec- election. Yes. Election. Yeah, the election. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking. Election, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, last week, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a, it's nice to get my mind off off of things, if only for a few minutes, and hopefully we can bring a little uh, a little distraction to, to people and then listen too. Uh, but it's been a tense couple days, John. Uh, last week, it's already last week already. It's yeah, like been... the, I feel like we just posted it, but last week we cheated. We posted an old audio file of of the Twitch cast where we talked to uh, we talked to Max Stewart and Kevin Hoof and Luke Hawkinson. And if you didn't notice, uh, that's cool. But this mm-hmm. week we have we have some things we actually need to talk about that are that are new. <laughs> so first of all, the Rona man. It's uh, it seems to be it seems to be attacking the MLS. In particular, our cousins across town. So we're going to talk briefly about <laughs> what they're going to do. Uh, the Futures first trial is right around the corner. So we're going to hit some highlights of what the Futures are going to entail. And maybe uh, if people want to know how to get how to get involved or into the trial, they can uh, they can learn there. And then finally, we're pleased to welcome Allie Lipshire, the newest, one of the newest additions to the Crows coaching staff. A lot of changes up there uh, or additions to the staff. I shouldn't say changes because these are new positions. So it's really exciting to to welcome more people to the murder and Allie is our first one that we're going to have on the show tonight. Let's get after it, John. So we talked about a month ago about how well played uh, it was that the MLS pulled off bubble soccer um, after some initial COVID tests that kicked out two teams. Um, but the MLS is back turny. Um, <clears throat> it, it did its job and well done getting soccer back up after all of the uncertainness MLS. Um, but since then, Nate, the league has decided to go back to what they perceived as kind of normal, <laughs> uh, normal life. Um, and so has the rest of soccer world basically treated things as business as usual um, minus fans. Uh, and then bang the Rona just creeped its, <laughs> it's, uh, it's tricky little fingers in there. Um, team after team after team was stricken with the virus um, and game after game was canceled. I was doing some math today, and, and to date, um, there have been roughly about 30 players uh, who got the plague. Um, there was a postponement yeah. of 10 matches, three of which were Minnesota United matches, um, that have been all called off due to COVID-19, which seems kind of high to me. I don't know if I'm, I'm alone there, but it, it just seems kind of high. Um, and, and most of those games are, are now, you know, starting – you know, to be, to be played again, um, or they're not going to be played. And and there's a points, a points issue when it comes to a playoff, uh, the playoff picture, Nate, you know, first off, does that seem high to you? And and second, 
um, you know, high to you for from a league perspective, but also the loons. Uh, I know I know Colorado was the the team that had seven of those matches um, that were not not played. Um, am I crazy or is it realistic that uh, we kind of have the high? Yeah, here? it's weird. I as mean, a, as uh, opposed to the other other leagues, you know, we we laughed at Nashville for getting kicked out of the bubble before it even began. Um, but ever since then, they've been great, right? And it's been no kidding, and it's been. Um, United and Colorado <laughs> and a couple other teams that have really, yeah, Dallas have had have had issues. Dallas uh, again, which is, which is interesting. Wasn't Colorado also pre-bubble potentially having an issue, but they all tested okay. Anyway, well, I don't know what's going on at that facility, dude. Dude, just just just. Get, but the table man, it's missing a lot of games on it, and there man. is really no opportunity to make them up. I mean, the the schedule is so compacted anyway to try to fit uh, some sort of a, mm-hmm. you know, competitive sample into the. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the NFL where like a if, replay, you know, so, if San Francisco tests positive, San Francisco tested positive today. Um, so that game will be postponed and they'll just, they just lose their buy, right. They'll just move the buy uh, to this week. Yeah. Right. Or um, they'll play like two games Monday night or whatever. Like they, they seem to kind of have, yeah. And I, has seemed to get, I think the issue is, is that the schedule's out. already so compact for the MLS. Like there's just nowhere to, sh- they're already playing two games a week. There's really nowhere to shove them in. So um, there, there's just so many missed games then that this, the league is, is deciding playoff seating on a points per game model rather than total points, which is interesting. Uh, my, my question is then since we can't go a couple mm-hmm. weeks without an outbreak, What's going to happen once the playoffs begin if a team has a po- has positive cases? Like, how long can you postpone a playoff game? How can you really end up getting to a champion in a reliable time frame without, you know, with, with a delay like that? Right. I mean, there's been talk that the, the league might um, <laughs> either need to call it quits and then just, like, pick it back up again next year. Or they won't, they can't call it quits. Just be like, well, oh, well, playoffs. I almost made it. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's true. It's not like this is normal landscape, Nate. Like, it, like, people have to be okay with the fact that there's a pandemic going on being like, you know what, like, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> the fucking MLS sure. Cup is not high on our list right now. <laughs> um, but is it a good idea for them maybe like to 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 say everyone mm-hmm. gets two weeks to quarantine and then you're back in the bubble in Orlando for the playoffs? I mean, I don't think that'd be a bad idea. Um, for for me, it, it it might be you know a, a fork in the road where the league has to say um, we're gonna either gonna go in the bubble or hey, you know what, we were lucky to pull off the tournament and we got this far. Um, but it's it's best to be smart than than to keep going. Um, but also, I mean, do you feel that we could be in a, a safety concern situation from a players union perspective where it's like, you know, m- me as an agent or me as a player is like, I don't want to go into this and continue to. Like, yeah, be in, I don't know, man. Exposed. Has the players union family, really had safety concerns up until up to now? Um. You know, I think that there was some concerns. You know, I'm not going to name any any players that I, I talked to, but you can probably 
go by the rule of deduction and figure out who I know in the MLS. Um, but when I talked to them in the bubble, there was a lot of concern about, you know, before the teams were actually sent home, it was like, we're living amongst these, these teams, right. and these guys that are infected and, and there's no escaping it. Um, it. It's a concern. If, if there's more positive tests, I don't want to be here. Um, I haven't heard as much chatter since the season kind of kicked back mm-hmm. up again. Um, but you'd have to believe there's the same concern. Um, you know, especially as we're going into the colder months where we're going to start having more, you you can't necessarily go outside as much in certain parts of the country um, and be safe. So it, it, uh, I, I, there hasn't been anything, but I'd have to believe that at the, well, I mean, I think meekly ending the season or going back into a, into a hastily constructed bubble for some playoff scenarios would would really be a fitting end to the season. It's just kind of, the season's just running on fumes, man. Like, I, I wonder how teams are seeing fan engagement and what this is meaning for enthusiasm for some of the, you know, MLS's more recent additions. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I, with European soccer in full swing and after Fox Sports North was dropped by YouTube TV, like, I just don't, I haven't thought about the loons or the MLS in some time, unless we're talking about the show, right? Um, you know, you and me talking about them here, like it's, and that's sad because I'm, I'm still a season ticket holder. I never missed a game. Um, you know, we were really loved watching them, but it's just like, I got other things to worry about, dude. And if you're not going to play on any sort of consistent basis or there's, you never know if a game's going to really happen, like, oh, well. So looking forward, I, I, I wonder what mm. March or April is really going to look like when we potentially start back up and what's going to happen to clubs financials if suddenly like, you're looking at two seasons without fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, that was one of the follow-up questions I was going to ask you is, are, are you in the I mean, we technically already kind of renewed them. they open it up again. I think the renewal period was in September, right? Dude, you just got to hit, right? hit, so, hit that secondary I mean, market hard and start scalping. I don't know. I just... I, I feel like it might be optimistic to think that come April, we're going to be able to go to games again, but the club has done a good job of at least giving us a, like they, we didn't have to pay for, <laughs> for the games that we, that didn't happen this year. So that's nice. So if that continues, we won't have to pay again, but like, that's again, that's, you've got all your season ticket holders. You've got people that don't, you know, you get, a, they're selling out every game, right? A sellout. It was like the biggest joke, but, all of a sudden, there goes your revenue for that. Yeah. Can you really make that up over the course of two years just by TV contracts? I don't. I don't know. Yep. Well, and sponsorship too. If I'm like, you know, Bell Bank, I'm looking at like, yeah, what have you done for me lately? And I've given you all this money. Um, it, it's going to be tough on on some of those owners. I definitely don't envy them at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love to have their bank balance, but um, I. Uh, I don't envy them with the conversations they're going to have to have with people who are like, uh, you've, you've given me nothing for what I've given you. Um, but I think from a fan perspective, I, I mean, yeah. I, I assume you're watching champions league, uh, <laughs> the Eastern block, man, those stadiums are open. Like it, it was, it was really weird for me to watch a game. Oh, no, those people are breathing like, all over each oh, other. That's not simulated crowd sound. <laughs> those people are just huffing the Rona together. Like, 
Um, yeah, it, it, there's just so much uncertainty. I don't really know what's going to look like, but um, I, I think it's interesting, at least for us. The reason I want to talk about today is that it does kind of affect us because mm-hmm. we're going to end up having to make a decision on what's happening next summer, you know, and, you know, that's not too many months away. And, you know, we are in the election time now and things could change or things could stay the same or things could get worse. And, and, we're going to end up then being another slice. I think of the I'm, I'm optimistic like, for us well, because what, our what season do we starts do later. Um, and, uh, and because by the, yep. But and, and at least mm-hmm. by then you'll have, it's in the summer, you'll have yeah. all of this established protocol for at least being able to hold your games. Right. So the NPSL should be able to at least have a season, um, whether or not that means that we'll have fans in the stadium is one thing, but that mm-hmm. also gives us time to set up like a, you know, a streaming situation. If, if you know fans can't be in the games how do we get how do we broadcast our games to to supporters you know you want to see a city game you better be a supporter that kind of a thing so um mm-hmm. there's there's some there's there's some options let's be just spitballing yeah. because you guys make the actual decisions but um luckily at least it feels like in the apple city there's more options than than an mls season which basically starts preseason in february and you know mm-hmm. you're, you're playing outdoors in march right well, hey, what a better time now than to become a member mm, because yeah. I, I'm almost kicking myself we didn't mention it yet. Um, November 11th is the member meeting where we'll talk about this kind of stuff. So head on over to MPLSCitySC.com if you're not a member. I have to be very I, – I, it's very hard for me to believe, yeah. Nate, that anyone who listens to the show is not actually currently a member. <laughs> so, um, but if you have friends that want to get involved, uh, they need to hurry up and be a member so they can get on that that Appreciate conference you, call and uh, and start to get. John, two vote. years ago, it was put to vote. Um, speaking of members, it was put to vote to the members uh, that the team was going to start to look towards the future and establish a, a, a local, logical youth pipeline uh, to a top squad via a U19 team. And after uh, after figuring out what that looks like and what it would take to successfully pull that off. The club announced in early July uh, of this year that it's going to be starting the Minneapolis City Futures program to end up filling that filling that role. Uh, it's not just U19. We're talking potentially U, what, 16, right? So on July 21st, uh, you and I sat down with the mind behind this program, Jeremiah Johnson. And man, John, things have really gotten exciting since then because uh, we announced the Futures program to the masses. Uh, we, the team created a scholarship fund to help kids pay for, for playing uh, on the Futures for that high-level soccer. Uh, the club launched the branded kits for each of the Futures teams. Um, the, model was, the model was rolled out in our 7v7 league, and that model has been, uh, I guess we could say, borrowed by Minnesota United for, for their potential upcoming program, and, and so on and so on. So, John, you know, everything's coming up. <laughs> coming up rosy in, in Minneapolis city futures here for people who may not know what it is though. Can you, can you break down the highlights of the upcoming futures program? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you mentioned, it's not just focused on U19 anymore. Um, we're, we're kind of f- uh, focusing it on a, a, yep. a logical gap age gap uh, age range, excuse me, of 16 to 20. Um, so Still sure. U19 in mind, still passing players onto the future heavily on our minds. Um, but essentially, it, it, the, the program itself, and I, I encourage folks to go back and, and, and listen to our chat with Jeremiah because it, it really is more extensive than I, I, I'd care to get into today. But 
um, the model itself is a supplemental model um, that will be focused around a high, high level training uh, <clears throat> for players within the 16 to 20 age range that will coincide with their other soccer commitments. So we're not looking at something that's going to take them away and be like an academy. We're looking more at like uh, not only just an, an ID or identification process for us to get um, – you know, you know, on the on the radar of these players, and for them to get on our, our radar um, for the future. Um, but we're not going to take them away from Fusion right. or Saint Croix or you know whatever club that they're being part of. It's not the point. It's 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 really to select the top fifty players in the area within that age range. Um, and, and keep it local and keep it to our mission. So we're not going to you know, be looking at any players from outside. I can, I can definitely tell you we've gotten some applications for the program that were, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that Brazilian pipeline that seems to always want to send us notes about being part of our club. Um, no, folks, we are not uh, housing players for this, um, nor are we housing them for our first team. Um, but anyways, so keeping it local, keeping to our mission of, of elevating soccer um, for Minnesota and, and elevating Minnesota-based players. Uh, the model itself will be a one-day-a-week ta- uh, training, which will be a mix between technical and tactical training, um, and a little bit different than the model that we had for the fall 7v7 um, or the fall model that we were piloting. Um, it will be one day a week, uh, where one day will be one week will be the technical and tactical training, and then the other um, the, the following week will be the 7v7 model. Um, and then ultimately that'll ladder into full 11 aside matches where we'll select an 18 to play against city one and two, um, that fans can come out and watch. Um, and then maybe some other potential matches that we've, we've had people reach out and say, well, I got a 18 or a 19 year old team. Oh, sweet. Uh, what's this futures thing? Can, can we come up and play you guys? Uh, or do you want to come down, come down here and play us? But you know, it's travel expensive. is something that we want to try to limit, um, if not eliminate. So, uh, yeah, it's expensive and it's not why we're doing this. So maybe in the, in the future of the futures, um, you know, uh, a dream within a dream, we may have a full 11 aside. John, so when are trials going to begin? But right now it's not the focus. They actually begin uh, the, yeah. was it the 7th? Is that Saturday? This coming Saturday, uh, November 7th. Um, they are, I believe, full. Um, or there's only a few spots left. Um, so they, the, the, they're basically split up sure. into two different pools of training so we can, you know, minimize any COVID risk of having any cross contamination if there is anything. Um, so, uh, there'll be two different sessions start, starting on Saturday and then they'll go, um, uh, another two days within so two, next week. So two ways that and kids could have got involved is, conclusion the you know, they send their application basically <laughs> with their, with their video and, and, and whatnot and a little bit about themselves, but it sounds like there's also a little space for some, maybe some latecomers or someone that's been on the fence to, to join the tryout late. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So you can you can go ahead and go on to uh, mplscitysc.com and there's a, a futures tab in our navigation and you can get all your information there. Um, you can sign up for um, the program. If you do sign up and I, I have put my foot in my mouth that it is full, uh, we will have a wait list opportunity for players to be able to come in if someone t- decides to not, not uh, continue or 
Um, we sure. you know find that we aren't we aren't getting the caliber of player that we're looking for, um, which that all those things are possible. Um, so uh, you can definitely sign up for the wait list because then you're you're the next man up. So uh, you can do that there. And also, if you are signing up, um, there's an application process for um, getting some financial assistance through our scholarship. And then post evaluation um, process. So when does the futures well. program really get started, and what will be the first order of business? I mean, we get started immediately. So the, the team gets selected after the, the next week and a half trial oh. process. And it's like the following week. So like two weeks oh, from now, two and a half weeks from now, it's like the first training session. So uh, that's kind of the reason why mm -hmm. you saw a flurry of coaching staff decisions that were made. Um, one, because we need, we're, as you know, and people who listen to this know, like the November, December time period is when we get into our preseason. Um, for our first and second team and our recruiting period. So we needed to make sure that we were not forgetting to do that this year, even though we don't know what next year is going to hold for us. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's coming in fast and furious. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be starting right away. And yeah. I know other, other youth clubs have started now that the <laughs> high school season is over. So it's, it's not uncommon to see it starting this early. Um, so yeah, we're getting, we're getting right after it. Uh, and the first order of business will be just, um, you know, that player ID making sure that we're, we're, we're selecting the players that fit, that fit for the, the model. Um, and obviously, you know, fit within our, our core mission and values, um, on and on. All right. The, the future is and, almost here. Uh, and then we'll see where it goes, man. After our first season, we've continued to level up in many areas of the club, both on and off the field. And that definitely includes bringing in more leaders to help train and guide our players. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome the newest member of the murder, recently named Minneapolis City Soccer Club Director of Goalkeeping, Allie Lipscher. Allie, welcome to the show and welcome to the club. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm still getting used to the idea of, of joining a murder. I'm still wrapping my head around that. <laughs> yeah, it takes it takes a bit, but you you get used to it. Uh, we we also uh, found out that a rookery is uh, is a, a collection of uh, of juvenile crows so i mean that's another i mean if you want to go that route you could you could also yeah. go that route a juvie murder is some seems somewhat more i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 maybe maybe we'll, we'll we'll edit that one out after um <laughs> but um we we like to start off and ask all of our guests that we have on the show specifically new ones to, to help us out tell us us and your listeners about your soccer journey you know where you started from and then kind of how you got to to today yeah, sure. It's it's been. I mean, I guess I guess a very roundabout journey. Um, it started in Hawaii, where I was born, um, and I was kind of like any typical kid. Grew up playing soccer. Um, grew up playing a lot of sports actually, and then everything just sort of fell off, and and soccer stuck. And and you know, luckily it it gave me a lot a lot of opportunities. I was able to go um, swung right from Hawaii all the way over to the East Coast for college. I went to Duke. Um, played there and right when I uh, graduated there I had the opportunity um, I guess I had the opportunity to hang out for a year and not do much and work work a bunch of bum jobs in California waiting for the the pro league to start up um, but once it did you know I, I jumped in and played in the WPS uh, which was the women's pro league for three seasons um, before it very unceremoniously got shut down um, and, and I guess because of that, I sort of jumped in, into the coaching world, um, which, which has been, you know, a fantastic and also an equally as roundabout journey. It's taken me from the Southeast to the Northeast to, to now the, the Midwest. And I landed 
in Minneapolis uh, a few years ago. Um, I've been at the University of Minnesota as their director of goalkeeping for, for the last kind of three seasons, if I guess two and a half seasons, if you count whatever is happening right now. Yeah, whatever, whatever, you're <laughs> whatever right this now. is, right? We'll, we'll give it some sort of quantitative <laughs> value. Um, and, and yeah, so I guess, you know, in, in the whirlwind of, of soccer, the washing machine of soccer, I kind of popped my head up and, and here I am. Um, and, and I was lucky to meet a lot of really, really great people along the way, I should say. And, and one of them was uh, Matt, uh, the head coach of the team. And, and you know, he, he and I have had some conversations kind of about what, what his values and principles and all of that are and why he got involved with the club. And uh, it just got me really excited. So when the opportunity, you know, came along to, to get involved, um, uh, I, I definitely took advantage of that. And, and note that I purposely did not say his last name because I think after two years of knowing him, I still can't say it correctly. <laughs> we never, we just MVB. And then, then yeah, we, that, to... yeah, we, we, we definitely go right to the abbreviation. Yeah, we're with, with you on that one. And I think, I, think I, start, I started on my phone like soon after, you know, I kind of got his contact information and I was like, Matt, and it's like, it's in my phone is like Matt V and then it's like 75 consonants. Like I can't, yeah. I just was like, yeah, I can't do that. I still have uh, Adam Pribble as Adam Pribyall in my phone. He's never bothered to spell it correctly. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. It's, uh, there's not another Adam Pribble in that Rolodex, so I don't necessarily need to change mm-hmm. it. So, Ali, it sounds like it was mostly through conversations with Matt that you kind of came to learn about, about Minneapolis City. Um, had you heard about the club at all otherwise, or was it, you know? I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this um, or talk about her, I should say, but but I knew Tori, you know, she was a player at the U. Um, I had joined the staff sort of shortly after she graduated. So our circles were uh, the Venn diagram, I guess, of our circles was was pretty closely connected. Um, and she has and she has a, a couple of close friends. She knew some people with the club. So I was familiar with it. You know, I think when I was uh, I moved here because my wife got a job here. Um, so we did a lot of, she was also a soccer player. So we did a lot of research into sort of like the soccer scene upon moving here. We're like, <laughs> oh, are we sweet. Gonna like it? is there soccer? Like, yes. Okay. Oh, like, okay. Okay. We can do Minneapolis. That's fine. Um, so I had heard about it sort of tangentially. Um, and then kind of, I've through Matt sort of, sort of grew to know, uh, more about it. I think Tori played with, um, with a couple of players at the U who, um, have boyfriends in the club, I believe. Believe so. Yep. 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 That sounds right. It's a small soccer community, I guess, huh, John? Well, that's what happens when you create a soccer club totally revolving around people from Minnesota. Yep. You tend, you tend to like get caught in that web. I think you know what? I think I think soccer folks just know that we are in fact the best yeah. sort of yeah. folks, so we tend to kind of stick together. Is is my yeah, yeah. my, my so, assumption, I guess. Ellie, as you're talking to Matt and and learning about the club on your own, what was it that stood out to you about? Minneapolis city that interested that got you interested in getting involved and, and potentially, um, you know, joining as a coach. It was, I mean, it was, excuse me. It was, it was a lot. It was, um, something different. I should say, you know, I I think that I Mm -hmm. have up until this point followed a bit of a traditional route, um, in terms of jumping into like the club and the college, um, sort of scene. And I, and I hadn't really explored, um, that next level, if you will. Um, I, I think once you jump into the traditional side of things, it, for, for all the right reasons, it sort of puts like boundaries on what you can do where like, I, I can't coach, um, high school girls outside of a club scene, right. Because I'm involved in like the, the college game 
Um, and Mm -hmm. so, so it sort of puts up these sort of natural boundaries around what you can do and creates a little bit of a path for you, which in a lot of ways is great. Um, but, but when this came along and it was something that I hadn't experienced or necessarily sort of like hadn't thought about before, um, it was intriguing to me. And then I came to a couple of practices just to sort of see what it was about. Um, and, and quite honestly, it was the most energetic, um, the most diverse, uh, and the most, you know, just kind of like this great mix of like fun, easygoing, and like really sort of like professional and structured, um, group of people that I had, that I had been around in a really long time. And that was really exciting for me. Um, so we, uh, we like to call ourselves professionally amateur and you guys are nailing it. You are. I'm so excited <laughs> that. Well, and, and it's, we, 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 call ourselves the brotherhood but so we're gonna have to have like the sisterhood offshoot now yeah yeah i guess i mean we'll have to think of, i mean you guys already have like the, the the murder right like that's such like a cool like intense like yeah thing. i feel like we've got to come up with like i don't know some there's gotta be there's gotta be some i don't know some national geographic like correct term that we can throw into whatever that's called Allie, as as the director of goalkeeping, which mm-hmm. is, I think, a new it's a new position, right, John? Yes. yes so, as director of goalkeeping, what is what is your job going to look like in the in the coming off season, and how is it going to shift once twenty twenty one and and that NPSL season begins? Um, I think. I mean, I think the second part of that question is loaded. Like, who knows, right? Um, right. Hopefully, <laughs> once the season begins. Hopefully, yeah, ideally. So I think the director, the director of goalkeeping role is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to look after the first team goalkeepers um, and then from there sort of build in a structure of, of how we really help facilitate growth and development through, you know, the, the futures program and then MC2 as well. How we, how do we kind of connect things? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, you include player development alongside coach development and how do you sort of make that, you know, less of, I mean, the word hierarchy is like a terrible word in my mind. How do you make it kind of this like ecosystem um, of growth and development oh, yeah. um, and, and all of that? And and I think that's how that's how at least I envision sort of what, you know, what the position and what the role kind of embodies. I believe the word you're looking for is synergy. Ooh. I like I like describing it as a goalkeeping ecosystem. That's really. Yeah, I like that, too. <laughs> Let's like roll with too. all of it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had lots of goalkeepers that have graced these airwaves. Um, and there's been one common theme that all of them have discussed. Um, and that's the markup of a goalkeeper. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, some of them have called themselves different. Mm-hmm. Uh, others have called themselves odd. Um, I like to stay with different so that we don't call anyone <laughs> odd. Um, um, because for large portions <laughs> of games, you as a goalkeeper are, are, are alone on an island. The mind can mm-hmm. wander. And then all of a sudden you're called into action at a moment's notice after 10 players, um, you know, most of the times don't do their job. <laughs> what do you, what do you feel are the, the characteristic characteristics that a, a person needs to have to be a high performing goalkeeper? High performing goalkeeper. I mean, you're, you're right. There is, um, there is a uniqueness to the goalkeeper position. Goalkeepers are weirdos. We're total weirdos. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are, we are there. Um, so go off on like a weirdo tangent. There's there's a great podcast that Radiolab did, and it's called The Loneliness of the Goalkeeper, and it completely <laughs> dives into like the the mind and like the weirdoness of, of all goalkeepers. So as as a side tangent, it's like it's like a like a jump off podcast. That's a great that's a great explanation awesome. uh, to why we're so weird. 
um, but there is, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, you know, there, I guess there's a lot more mental endurance involved in the position than there is like typically physical endurance. Um, and, and for that reason, like, like the mental fortitude and the ability to focus, um, and the resiliency pieces, I think are really things that, um, that are necessary elements to being a great goalkeeper. You know, there's, there's a hundred, there's, you know, there's like, like the athletic talents and, um, and like the physical attributes are kind of a dime a dozen, uh, but it takes a special combination of, of all those things with, with this kind of rarity of like mental fortitude, if you will, that, that kind of makes up that top level of keeper. I don't know how you guys do it. I, when I'm on the field, I gotta be around the ball. Yeah. And like, I, I, I always, I always play in the middle of the field and it was just like, I, I have to be around the ball. Even if I'm not, even if I don't have it, I've got to be around it. And I, I don't know how you guys, I mean, just imagining thinking like 15 steps ahead to how you're going to get it. That's what goalkeepers do. You're like, all right, it's going to go here, 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 here. And then I'm going to go get it. And then you're like, did I pay the electric bill? (laughs) (laughs) There's like a castaway feel to it too, right? Like you kind of go crazy on your own and then it's, it's like combined with a, an intensity that, is, yeah, you know, like whether it's even you know from anyone from Matt to Troy to even Doug Sidney in his own way, John was was super was super intense uh, on some levels when we talked to him, and he was kind of the goofiest one of all so far mm-hmm. that I think that we've met. Uh, but absolutely not. <laughs> it was definitely big game. Oh, yeah. James Nair. Yeah, he was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he was the weirdest. Um... <laughs> but yeah, there's like you, you know the to to kind of be alone and think about you know, think about your thoughts for, you know, analyze the game from, from your unique position. And then all of a sudden be like called to action and have to have to be turned up to 11 immediately has to be, uh, has to do a number on you. Um, maybe, I mean, but, but I think for the same reason, like that's why so many goalkeepers end up being coaches, right? Cause we spend mm-hmm. so long, like yeah, I agree. just watching the game. So all of a sudden, like, you know, when the question arises, like, well, what do you do in this situation? Like any given goalkeeper has like thought about that situation sure. X number of times. So we're like, duh, you do this. And super keen on being able to say that player right there is crap. Their job. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah. And we are not afraid to call them out on it. Yep. 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 Exactly. What are your, uh, what are your goals for the goalkeepers corner at Minneapolis city? Uh, oh, wow. Man, that's you know what that's that's big and that feels that feels precarious because I haven't I haven't even I haven't even put in like a like a full session with these guys yet. Sure. Um, but you know what? Is it like a philosophy that you'd like to uh, that you'd like to uh, bring I, to the I club? Think so. I think you know if if I'm just gonna kind of extend my philosophy from from what it is now, like I wanna I wanna give goalkeepers the tools to empower themselves to make themselves better because you know, whatever, whatever I know, like however much I want someone to succeed and however much talent, like I see in someone, they're only going to get as far as they want to go. Right. Sure. Um, so, so what I want to do is really just empower keepers to, to, to get to whatever level they want to go to. And, and guys that are at this level right now, like that's, what's exciting to me. Like they want to get somewhere, they want to get to their next level. Um, and, and I think I've got the tools to help them do that. Um, nice. so, so that's really, yeah, that's really kind of what it's as simple as it is, I guess. We've been lucky enough at Minneapolis City to, uh, I guess, have some stability at mm-hmm. the keeper position over the years. But with you know this last non-season and this influx of of new talent that we've seen from the seventy-seven league, it really feels like we've got more options than ever uh, across the system from NPSL on down. 
-hmm. do you are you comfortable talking about maybe what you're considering your approach to be when it comes to developing that that position at the club level are we i mean i, I know you did mention at first you're really just going to focus on npsl goalkeepers at first mm -hmm. and kind of start um kind of start backfilling uh, with with some of the younger 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 people but you know have you have you put mm -hmm. any thought into that approach yeah i mean i i i guess to some extent like i've I, like that's where my role starts right um yeah. but but i certainly wouldn't say that i'm going to put much more focus there than any other focus i think that um i think that part of you know you asked sort of about like what like the goals are the part part of the goals are to to create sort of like a natural pathway sure. um and and part of that has to do with player development and part of that has to do with coach development you, you talked about like the fact that there's a lot of coaches within in the program that that are goalkeepers and that have the ability to be part of to be part of that pipeline um so i i think part of what i'm looking to do <clears throat> excuse me part of what i'm looking to do um is is develop kind of that 360 degree pipeline which again is kind of like an ecosystem right right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um where where you've got you've got these connections and, and you've got like you know the training environment and you sort of have a philosophy um and you just got the relationships that that help sort of build build something that um that empowers kids you know even first and foremost to like come out for the futures program and, and to know what it is and to look at what it is and then through that grow grow alongside someone who's maybe you know at the top level or, or at the second level or, or whatever that is I, th I think that there's a cohesiveness and i think that there is um a, a natural evolution process that i'm hoping to sort of apply how i do that and, and what that looks like is is very very like yet to be determined <laughs> up in the air still. that's cool yes <laughs> <laughs> so as a, a former professional in the women's game, what was the, the league like during your playing days? Or what, what, what were the leagues like? Um, that you were playing? A lot of fun, but they didn't pay well is really kind of the overall <laughs> summary. Um, it was it was really exciting because I was part of sort of the second iteration of the pro league in the U.S. Um, so it sort of felt like a resurgence in a way. Um, you know, WUSA had sort of sprung off the back of that iconic 99 World Cup. Um, and then it had sort of like hit a wall and it was this, it was a sort of this new thing that like, it, it felt like they maybe just hadn't figured out how to do the right way. So when the WPS came along, it sort of felt like the, oh, like, this is it. Like, all right, here we go. Um, and I was really lucky with the timing where I, you know, I was just a year out of college, um, and able to sort of jump in. Um, I got really lucky. I, I went into, um, the Boston breakers, which was coached by Tony DeChico at the time, obviously like a tremendous mm -hmm. coach, a tremendous mentor. Um, and, and that was an, another, another goalkeeper. goalkeeper. That's right. Uh, another goalkeeper. Um, and, and, and yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. I mean, what, what's not fun about being, you know, 22 and 23 and getting to live in a cool new city and play soccer for, for a living, especially at an age when you don't know what a living is and <laughs> whatever, <laughs> Whatever pennies you get yeah. thrown are enough to buy you, you know, like a roof over your head and a beer after the game. And that's kind of all you need. Um, it was, it was great. It was perfect. so much fun. And I think that, you know, I got to play with incredible players um, and I got to be shaped despite, I mean, despite like myself, right? Like I, I didn't even realize what was going on at the time, but I got to be shaped by some of the best players in the world. Um, and, and that for me was, was incredible, especially in retrospect, looking back at it now. 
So we've, we've, you know, we, we touched on it briefly, but we've kind of, you mentioned it earlier that, you know, like the, the women's game is, is kind of taken a very crooked path mm-hmm. to kind of where it is today, where there, you know, it, there were teams and leagues that were folding mm-hmm. at a very high rate, um, you know, and now it seems like the country's top talent from the, on the women's side of the game is starting this mass <laughs> exodus across yeah. the pond, um, where I feel like it's actually, it's actually given the attention it, and respect that it deserves, um, finally um it, we haven't quite figured it out in our country um but what do you what do you think the future of the women women's soccer looks like domestically with now seeing that the the, the females are starting to take suit with what some of the guys are doing with going over to these large massive clubs uh to to, to learn their craft it's, or own their craft. it's so good um i think that just just the fact that people are worried about a mass exodus right is is a, a nod that you're at the right starting point um where where we had a really strange year in the US. So I guess I guess I should jump back a little bit um, and, and say that, that this league's been around for, you know, the better part of a decade. So so like mm-hmm. we're good. We're kind of good there, if you will. Like we're we're on the right mm-hmm. path. We're growing. Um, there is, you know, sort of like nine soon to be like 10, maybe 11 uh, like teams in in the league. And it's on a really, really good trajectory. The fact that that people are going abroad right now is is as much of an effect of um, the fact that that COVID is happening and the you know the season here was precarious to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all all of these things are are great. At the end of the day, like um, I feel super confident about where the women's game is going. Um, I feel great that the U.S. is starting to be challenged more and more on an international level. I think that speaks mm-hmm. to the game as a whole. Um, I love the fact that other countries are, are putting pressure on us, maybe, you know, um, without like, maybe not like on purpose, but putting pressure on us to really like level out like the the pay playing field um, by playing their own, by paying their own women's teams as much as, you know, the men's, uh, their men's sides are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that overall the women's side is on a really, really, really good trajectory yeah I, th- I think it's something that that's worth being exciting about like excited about excuse me <clears throat> yeah it's, it's a really good point i mean i i think we were in kind of the, since you know probably since like mm-hmm. 96 we've had this embarrassment of riches from from the women's perspective in our country like we we were just so mm-hmm. far ahead of the globe with with youth soccer um, just the organizational side to it. And then it, 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 it took like a, a weird turn from a federation perspective. And we all know what's going on with our, with our federation. Um, but it, g- it gave these other countries the, the crack the window for them to mm-hmm. kick, it, kick it open um, to then just start leveling up. And, and you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's fantastic that we have, you know, you know, pound for pound, the most talented women mm-hmm. in the world in our country, I believe. Yet these these other countries are willing to 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 write bigger checks to get that talent. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on. So I had the privilege to grow up around women's soccer. Uh, my dad actually coached um, girls mm-hmm. high school soccer in Ohio for the first nice. 16 years of my life. So very much so my babysitter <laughs> for many, many evenings, um, which was fantastic. But I always thought that um, out of most of the major sports in the world, um, soccer would be the game where you would see 
women transition to coaching men. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, you know, one of the topics we're talking about today, because, you know, you're now involved in a, in a, you know, at, at this given moment, we don't have a women's team, but Mm -hmm. we only have men's teams. Um, So, so you're now one of the only female coaches at our level in, in our, in our soccer pyramid. What are your feelings? around? Uh, Good. I mean, I think, I think that I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you, if I'm sort of reading what you're saying correctly, where it feels like we're in this, really great really important time where where mm-hmm. women are sort of being being given a platform to sort of show how good they are as coaches in any given sport um mm-hmm. and and honestly like my feelings are if if women can coach in the nfl where there is no female sort of equivalent um there's absolutely no reason why women shouldn't be coaching you know in in the MLS and extending that into Europe, into, you know, whatever, whatever division mm-hmm. you want to say, even into the, like the premier league. I think there are, there are incredible players that have incredible soccer minds that just aren't being used to the best of their ability um, because of, you know, because of whatever sort of systems that, that we're used to falling back on. So, so personally, like it's really exciting for me mm-hmm. to be able to, to kind of, you know, explore the men's side. I think, I think it's cool that I'm one of the first women's coaches on, you know, in in this league and and especially kind of in this conference. Um, That's not the point, I guess. I think for me, it's just, it's a great challenge. Um, But, but I do, I do. I think it's Mm -hmm. cool. I think it's time. um, And and I'm here to support that on on any level. Like personally, I, I don't understand why, say someone like Jill Ellis isn't no. immediately in a conversation for any of the MLS right. openings that are coming up. Right. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, like her ability as a coach, regardless of gender is so high. And it, it was evident when she took over the the national team and then, and then kind of what it mm. turned into a little bit after her. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's, it, it, when it, Regardless of who you are, a, a, yeah. a good soccer mind is a good soccer mind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and and I completely agree. I fingers crossed that she ends up. You know, you know, there's there's rumors that that she might end up in DC, and and I hope that's true. Mm-hmm. That'd be incredible. Oh, there um, are. That would be really cool. That'd be right. That'd be super super cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you heard it here first. Slash, I heard it on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think. I think it's time. I'm glad that that maybe you know some some waves are being made, but but as always, it it, it can always sort of grow from here, and I hope it does. Well, we're we're doing the best we can to, awesome. to help the wave yeah. the waves grow. Yeah, uh, Ali. So one of uh, your roles or one of your jobs is you've got your own goalkeeping goalkeeping coaching uh, mm-hmm. business. Uh, it's called First Line Football. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of how long you've been operating here in the cities? Yeah, totally. Um, so first line football started basically from the fact that like a lot of a lot of goalkeeper coaches um, do individuals um, as mm-hmm. as sort of a side gig, you know, with with kind of kids, obviously like younger than high school age that aren't really like like recruitable athletes. So when they coach at like the college level, um, and and I just kind of wanted to make I kind of wanted to form like a philosophy around it, and and my philosophy is that like I I, I want to help. I want to help grow, grow. I mean, I, I like almost hesitate to say like, you know, adapt goalkeepers to like the modern game, like, and, like develop the modern goalkeeper because it is such an overused um, talent. But, but ultimately there's this idea that, that goalkeepers have to be more 
than just a shot stopper now, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are, the idea behind the name is that we are no longer just the last line of defense. We're the first line of attack. So, sure, so, yeah, as a distributor. Yeah, exactly. So empowering goalkeepers with the tools they need to, to be good soccer players, first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, to follow that with some of like the mental, physical, technical tools that they might, you know, that they might need to to grow in in the position. Um, so it's it's really just a project that I that I was like, you know what, this could be really cool. I have a philosophy about goalkeeping. Let's see what I can do with it um, when I'm training a bunch of younger, younger goalkeepers. Um, and, and it's, it's grown from there. It's, it's a ton of fun. I've probably, you know, I've probably got 30 or 40 goalkeepers consistently, probably close to 50 sort wow. of, um, yeah, yeah. Just younger goalkeepers in, in rotation. And, and I love it. Like I, I love coaching the higher levels. It's obviously sort of, you know, um, <laughs> what I'm stepping into with the club, but there's something really special about, um, about kidding, you know, kind of like a wet ball of clay and, and seeing what you can make out of it. So is there, was there any part of you deciding to kind of, to jump into to this business? The, the fact that within some, the majority, in my opinion, of youth soccer doesn't mm-hmm. really cater towards goalkeepers. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of standing <laughs> around for a goalkeeper because coaches, coaches aren't really, a lot of coaches at youth level and, you know, I don't care if many of them are listening are garbage because they, and they don't quite know how to build mm-hmm. out a session that includes a goalkeeper, unless there's a dedicated goalkeeper coach. Did you have anything like that in mind when you were when a you were little bit? I mean, this? so, so I, I definitely offer like, like coach coaching um, in terms of like how to, how to think about how to include your goalkeeper in a session uh, as part of what I do. But, but I agree, okay. like so many roles that I've taken on since moving to Minnesota have been like the first, I've, like with the club role that I'm in, like I'm the first director of goalkeeping and I had to sort of go to them and like outline what, what that might look like. Um, and, and luckily I've, I'm with a great club that was like, yep, like we need this. This is, you know, this is something that we want. Like, here we go, let's do it. And, and the same thing with, with Minneapolis city. Like it's kind of, it luckily for me, I guess I'm hitting it at a time where it's like more and more recognized that goalkeeping is not just like, you know, the 11th position. <laughs> um, it's it's a little bit of it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a special teams position and it should be sort of treated with you know with the, the dedication and the focus that that any sort of special teams position would be would be given i guess to to equate it to a, an american football mm-hmm. <laughs> analogy yeah <laughs> nailed it well ali uh <laughs> one of the things uh, that we like to do on our podcast is we play games we love to play games let's go and we uh we <laughs> We create our own. <laughs> we create our own fun here, and this game that we have is called "Ask John Anything." Um, really, how this goes is you've got you got some chances to to make John uncomfortable and to make him. John is um, like unnaturally honest. Okay. Like nothing to hide, and so what we try <laughs> to do is bust John out and try to get him to uh, try to find out where his boundaries are. Right? Where where do his boundaries <laughs> lie? So you've got some chances to ask John any question you want, and it can be about anything. It can be about um, which one of his kids he loves the most, uh, okay. you know, who his who his least favorite player on Minneapolis City is. Like people have asked a lot of stuff like that, and John is always uh, very good at answering honestly. But if for some reason you get him to plead the fifth, then uh, he, then he has to answer your next question honestly. So. If you get if you stump them, really the idea is to have an even more embarrassing question in the hopper. 
I was not prepared for this. <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the fun. Especially Abby. since you don't know him that well. So it's like you gotta balance out like how <clears throat> how cruel do you wanna be? <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean it, it can be about anything. I mean it, it doesn't have to be you don't have to try to stump me. You can just ask me a yeah. general question to get my take on it. Some people have done that too. You know, it's it's kind of an open ended ended thing where you get to drive a little bit and hopefully I don't get sweaty palms my gosh. and not I be kind able of, to answer I'm, something. I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm on my laptop right now, so I kind of did like like a panic search about like Okay, like, who is this guy? And that, there's just, like, a picture of you and your adorable child. Like, I'm not going to ask you, like, in embarrass- Your child is looking at me now. Yeah. Uh, uh, it hasn't stopped people in the oh, past. I can definitely God, say they're that. They're savages. Your child is too cute for this. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Definitely gets that the, ju- Is that it just the one, or do you have more than one? Uh, I have I have two sons. I have a, a four and a half year old son named Gus, and then a two. Is there and a is there a more promising soccer player between the two of them? Oh, there's a good one. Would that be your Would, would that be your first question? Sure, Jamie. That's my first question. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be. If you if you want to if you want to think about two proper questions, I can I can answer this one as a free. That'd be that'd be like, great. I would I would love yes. Okay, so the freebie is uh, my younger my they both like soccer. Um, my youngest son Freddie is the the one that I believe has the more promising soccer future, and mainly because um, I don't have to introduce it to mm-hmm. him. If a soccer ball's around, he goes he goes towards it, um, and and he he wants to play with it and manipulate okay. a soccer ball, whether we're outside or. The other night, I just like took a bunch of like, uh, like you know, a, a toy car, a dinosaur, or whatever, and I kind of spaced them out and I showed him how to dribble through them, and he did it for like oh. thirty minutes. He like just wanted to get it right, and I was like, okay, th- that's how I was when I was a kid. Like I always wanted to be around a soccer ball. Where my older son Gus, he's the type of kid who's like, if we're playing soccer, he dives into it, or if a Minneapolis mm-hmm. City game is going on, they know organically that the 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 soccer bag is by the door and i'm wearing certain colors so they they're like he's like oh i want to go to the game and mostly for him is because my wife then loads him up with whatever snacks he wants so he doesn't run off and cause hell so i think like he 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 tangentially likes soccer but i think that as he gets older he may like it more but i think i think fred's definitely the one that has it and and (laughs) my older son gus is a total klutz uh where where fred has more dexterity as a younger kid and good balance it so sounds like Gus might okay. be a goalkeeper in the making I'm not gonna lie like between between the snacks and like like the wearing cool like different colors I can't <laughs> really to, to whatever he's drawn to yeah but when you hit the ball too hard towards him he gets a little afraid so maybe not but there's okay. time, All right, there's time to get yeah, rid of that <laughs> just just drill a few more at his face and see see how he does <laughs> uh, I will totally do that. I'm that type of Love dad. It. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So, have you had? Have you gotten? Because no, your gotten child your is still ready? staring at me. <laughs> I do. I do. You gotta click away. Okay. Click um, away. Who within? Who within the coaching staff uh, is is your favorite like person? Yeah. Who's your favorite person in the club My right now? Favorite person within the coaching staff. In in the club, no, uh, as a human, as a, co- no, who, as a coach, who do you like the most? 
Well, I mean, it's kind of a cheat question because um, so Dan mm-hmm. Hudeman and I, who started the club together, so he and I, he and I, another goalkeeper, by the way, um, he and I grew up together uh, like 30 years ago playing youth soccer in Ohio. So I've known him for decades. So uh, when I moved to Minnesota for work, um, we had kind of taken different paths. Uh, around like 12 years old, he moved to California for his dad's job. And then eventually I moved to Wisconsin um, after my dad retired from the military. So like our, mm-hmm. we, did, we kind of disconnected for quite a few years. And then um, he went his path in soccer and then um, ultimately led him back to advertising. And then I did the same thing. Um, and then uh, an advertising job actually ended up becoming open at the agency he was at here. So then when I moved here, then we kind of got together and collectively started soccer at, at uh, the men's level together. But he and I are the, are, are really, really good friends. And uh, so he's definitely my okay. favorite person in the club. Uh, oh, thanks. And I'm, I don't really count. Second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just bring you on because of your voice. I it really have a shining personality. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and then I guess from from that, who? Oh, this is tough, you guys. I can definitely tell you, it's not as tough as I have felt over the past few months. <laughs> well, okay, some of these so, questions. so so let me have one more cheat question then like what what has been the least favorite what is what has been the one question that comes to mind when you're like oh my gosh that question stumped me or like you know like... well it, it wasn't a stumper it was more of a like i i have to i have i'm gonna answer this because that's my makeup um <laughs> asked uh, okay. experience <laughs> So I, I had to, I answered that question uh, and that one was like, and everyone's like, how, how can you put that out there? I was like, because no one who matters to me from a, from like a, my, my, my inner, inner, inner circle ever listens to this show. So I'm okay. I can, I can, I can answer these questions. So that was probably the one that really. Someone got you, someone got, was close to getting you. Maybe, I don't know if it was Jimmy Conrad, but someone was close to getting you uh, when they asked uh, about players but you've been pretty you've been pretty open as well about players you've disliked or that have made drawn driven you crazy too yeah yeah i've definitely gone that okay. route too all right <clears throat> uh well you're lucky i'm i'm not necessarily interested in your, <laughs> in, in your first sexual experience but i i <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I don't want to have to read that again publicly. Sexual experience. Let's be honest. Who? So, who has been your favorite goalkeeper yeah. in the club, and why? Um, my favorite goalkeeper in the club uh, was definitely James Nair, who I mentioned before, who was clearly the weirdest one that we've had. Um, so James came through uh, our into our system through our our, our men's affiliate, Stegman Soccer Club. Um, he was part of the deal when we acquired the um, FC Internationals, which I'm not sure if you're aware of them. They're the most, they were up, up until now where we're sitting kind of the, the highest okay. profile men's amateur club. Um, and they had some kind of organizational um, stumbling blocks that um, financially that ended up getting them into some situations where bills weren't getting paid and, um, and the most successful club was not 
potentially going to be able to play in, in the top levels in the, in our amateur state system. So we came to the club and we gave them a lifeline to, um, I'm totally going off on a tangent, but I'll, I'll get back to your, your question. Um, <laughs> we gave them a lifeline by helping them financially and then acquiring them into our club. And a lot of those guys that were on that for on the team when we first acquired it were the core guys that are even still somewhat involved in the club, either playing or, um, or in our legends, uh, our, our legends club or mm-hmm. um, are helping out from a, for an office perspective, et cetera. So James was one of those guys that came through. And, and the reason why James is my favorite is because um, he and I are definitely two peas in a pod have just wild, uh, wild markup. I'll just, I guess I'll call it where we just, we're just the same type of person. Um, but the one thing that I really admired about James is that he was not always the first choice um, for his position. And I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, been there before where I was not the first choice but he he always took it in stride and was an awesome member of a team and then whenever he was given that inch he jumped in with two feet and he he took over and performed at an extremely high level and I know Mm -hmm. that's really hard for people to do especially when you're you know you're 20 22 to 25 and you're like I'm, I'm 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 the shit i'm i'm you know i'm the guy i'm the girl i'm i'm i am the number one at whatever i'm doing um to be able to humble yourself and still have that attitude but then also be able to own it when it's your chance is is, is extremely rare and uh i think james definitely embodied that but i love all our goalkeepers but uh but that's james a glowing review i like james now one too. of my favorites a great guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he moved. He's went to optometry school in Chicago, so now he's not with us anymore. But I told him, you know, as soon as he gets that first practice, <laughs> we're going to be cashing those sponsorship Love checks. <laughs> but I think you know it's, he's he's uh, he's got a, a pretty strong family backbone here in Minnesota, so I'm sure at some point uh, he'll he'll make his way back. And yeah, it sounds awesome. You, it sounds like he's got at least one like supporter him. here, so good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. I'm sorry, you're right. Too. Yeah, no, you yep. mean two. You are the newest one. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, thanks so much, Allie. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome getting to know you and talking to you. Uh, yeah, looking you forward to looking forward to seeing you at on game day and uh, and being able to meet you in person one of these days when this is all over. Uh, but if people are interested in first line football, where do they go? What should uh, where should they check out? They can hop on over to www.firstline.football um and and check out what we're about it's you know it's it's goalkeeper training it's good it's a good time um proud of kind of a little the little thing that i built and uh yeah digging it thanks for Uh, thanks for the shout out yeah no problem always love to love to plug the side hustles (laughs) i mean all all eight listeners of this show will be hitting your website <laughs> All right, Allie, thank you so much. It's so it was uh, awesome for uh, our listeners to get to know you, and you know, like Nate said, um, you know, super happy to have you involved, and, and can't wait for you to actually get out there and, and start experiencing all awesome. the stuff. That super we're stoked! To really, do really good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Have a good All right. Night. Well, Bye. have a good night. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. That is all for this week's show. Thank you, as always, to our show's sponsor, Summit Brewing Company. Uh, sadly, October Oktoberfest season has come and gone, but you know what that means? 
means the winter ale is here. It's winter ale time. It's a timeless classic. It's a perfect mix of a darker session beer, and it packs that right amount of punch to keep you warm when you're shoveling whatever snow Jack Frost is going to toss at you over the next couple months. You got to go pick up that winter ale today. Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. I'll also plug the house party pack. John, I picked one of the, I picked a couple of those up, and they uh, they've got that beer that is um, that is their their coffee stout that's only available in the house party pack, and it is oh, awesome. Yeah. You get you get the Keller Pills, you get the Summit Saga, and you get the uh, the Great Northern Porter. And then I'm gonna look in my fridge right now to figure out what that thing is called. Cold Fusion. Uh, dark fusion. I'm sorry. Dark fusion is what Cold it's called. And it is dark delicious. Fu- yeah. <laughs> so summit. Thank you so much. Great sponsorship. All right. If giving back to the community uh, means a lot to you, giving back is so <laughs> cool right now. So it is time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game, as well as our newly formed Future Program Scholarship Fund uh, helps out there too. So consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization today. Time is running out. It's almost uh, don't total, It's almost donation season when you got to unload some of those sweet, sweet uh, tax dollars. Do you have anything you want us to cover? Uh, quests you want us to go on? You got to send us some mail. It's easy. Just hit us up on Twitter. Send us a note at the People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, concerns are welcome. And you can always hit the club up at MPLS City SC. Uh, remember, head to twitch.tv slash MPLS City SC and follow it and subscribe. Uh, the next episode of Foot City with Max and Jonah and me is going to be up this Thursday night. We go live at 8 p.m. Uh, so be there and learn all about uh, the FIFA Ultimate Team life with experts Max and Jonah and less of an expert me. And that's going to do it this week. I am Nate. That was Allie. Thank you so much. And, of course, that was John. Until next week. Oh, that was a weird one. You got it you got hooked. Poster burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor leagues. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I could staple steez, bend the gold so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see is. Make-